Welcome to The Productivity Show, the Asian Deficiency Podcast dedicated to helping you make the most of your time, attention, energy, and focus. In this episode, I'm joined by Nate Lowry, a dojo member and owner of Fine Line Automation, a company that sells CNC machinery to help people grow and build their dreams. Nate recently attended the Asian Deficiency Mastermind that we held in Austin, Texas, and he joins me today to talk about his experience, as well as to dive deep into the concept of masterminds and the clarity that they can provide. In this episode, Nate and I discuss what a mastermind is and who it's for, share several of the benefits a mastermind group can give you, share the key ingredients of a successful mastermind group if you want to start your own, and practical tips for getting the most out of the experience. If you've ever been curious about the idea of a mastermind but didn't know how to proceed, or if you love the idea of a mastermind but you've been hesitant to start one of your own because you didn't know how, this episode is for you. You can find links to everything that we share in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 178. And now, on with the show. All right, welcome everyone. This is Mike Schmitz and with me today to talk about masterminds is Nate Lowry. How's it going, Nate? Uh, it's going great, Mike. Excellent. I'm excited to have you on. You and I actually met in person not too long ago at the Asian Efficiency Mastermind. And I know that was not your first mastermind, so you were the first person that I thought of when this topic was was brought up. So I'm really excited to dive into this this topic with you today. Before we do that, though, you want to just give people a brief introduction of who you are and what you do? Uh, yeah. So my name is Nate, and what I do is I make and sell CNC machines. Uh, my company, Fine Line Automation, basically what I set out to do with that is to provide CNC machinery at a affordable price for people like me who have wanted to make parts. Because when I was going through college, I had a lot of projects that I wanted to make, but I didn't have the skills necessary or the machinery necessary to make them. And then I kind of built my own CNC and people wanted copies and it kind of snowballed from there. So Basically, I'm here to provide machinery to help people uh, build what they can dream up and uh, just uh, grow whatever they want to, uh, whether it be a business or just a personal hobby. Very cool. And I know that in the Mastermind in Austin, uh, you had brought some information and were seeking some clarity specifically regarding your business. Uh, But that's not the only approach that you can take to Masterminds. Uh, You could really use it any topic, uh, personally or professionally. Uh, before we really get into that, though, maybe we should back up a little bit and just kind of define what a mastermind is. Uh, in your opinion, Nate, from your perspective, how would you describe a mastermind? Well, um, if I had to describe mastermind in just uh, one kind of phrase, it would probably be uh, trusted counsel. And so basically, it's a group of Uh, people that come together and they basically sit around and solve each other's problems. So the the origins stem back to uh, Napoleon Hill's uh, The Laws of Success. And it was all about this idea that if you put a whole bunch of smart people in the room and one at a time you focus on everybody's problems – 
everybody can collectively solve the problems and the solutions will be stronger than the individuals just spending that time focusing on solving their own problems. That's a, a really great description, probably a lot better than, <laughs> than I could do. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I completely agree. So basically, you know, if I were to put it in my own words, a mastermind is a group of people who can kind of see your blind spots and you take turns focusing on each other's problems. And like you said, you have different perspectives, which are going to provide different solutions that maybe you didn't think of. And that's really the value of getting in a mastermind group is that you have other people who can help you see things in different ways. And a lot of times, it, maybe it's not even that they offer a solution. Maybe it's just that they're describing the problem a little bit differently than you have been. And that can be the aha moment that brings the the clarity to the, the thing that you've been stuck on for a long time. And I know that you kind of had some moments of clarity when you were at the mastermind in Austin, which we'll get into in a little bit. But I'm curious, do you, do you think that's a fair description? Uh, yes, I do. And so often we're you know, we're so close to the problem and we have just one perspective and you're absolutely right. Just being able to get a redefinition of the problem or even somebody ask a question that is a question that you would have never thought to ask, uh, that can kind of reframe the problem in uh, a different light that leads to a better solution. Yeah, uh, that reframing is so important. A lot of the the stuff that Tan's been talking to the team about regarding like thinking time and things like that is just ans- asking the the right questions. And it's amazing when you just think about the right questions, how the solutions will will tend to materialize. But this kind of gets into you know the next section on the outline here: why people should bother with a mastermind. Uh, you had pointed out in the outline here that everybody's got their own biases that are kind of invisible to them. You can see each other's blind spots. Uh, yeah, that's right. So. If you think about the cognitive biases episode that A did, uh, what was it, two months ago, and just think about some of those cognitive biases that are pervasive, things like uh, loss aversion, sometimes those biases can blind you to specific things and you don't even know it. And so both masterminds that I've attended, what is... What is really interesting to see is somebody comes in with a problem and they have certain biases and then through questions or reframing, once they see those biases and can kind of move past them, everything everything kind of changes and the light bulb kind of goes on. Yeah, exactly. And that cognitive biases episode, I was looking it up while you were you were talking. That is TPS uh, one fifty two. If people want to to check that out, uh, and that was a really interesting episode when I was doing the research for it. And I know that you've got, I think, probably more experience with this <laughs> than I do. Uh, but those those biases, essentially, what they what they are doing is they're coloring your perspective. So you're not seeing things because of these biases. And when you get yourself in a mastermind group, which you've got here, as you mentioned in the outline, everybody has a different collection of experiences. There's a very good chance that the people that are in there have solved your problem already. And that's another thing that Tan's kind of been drilling in the Asian efficiency team is that any problem that we're going to encounter is most likely a solved problem. There's a service that we use all the time, Clarity FM. The website is Clarity. .fm where you can get on a, a 15 minute call with an expert and it will save you tens of hours of work when when you're doing something whether that be 
you know, figuring out the, the technicalities of, of how these two integrations are supposed to work together or even something just like content creation, putting together a presentation or a webinar, uh, recognizing that you don't have all the answers, but other people do is, uh, is really, uh, really important. Yep, I definitely agree with that. So what are some of the other benefits of a mastermind group? We kind of talked about how you everybody's got their biases, and if you get around other people who have different uh, experiences, they can provide different different uh, different ways of looking at uh, at things. But there's a there's a bunch of different different benefits here. We've got six of them on the list. Let's just kind of break these down one by one and kind of go into these in a little bit a uh, little bit more detail. Sounds great. All right. So number one is to get a fresh perspective. So you kind of talked about this a little bit. Uh, I, I put the quote in here from the book Work the System by Sam Carpenter where he talks about getting above and slightly outside your situation. This is kind of a revelation to me where you can get so caught up in the four disciplines of execution, we'll call it the whirlwind, the stuff that's happening to you day to day, that you don't really understand the simple systems mechanics that are producing the whirlwind. And if you can get outside that situation, you can maybe solve some of those problems. And uh, with the great thing about a mastermind is that you don't even have to physically be outside of the situation because other people already are and they can point these things out real easily. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And every everybody has a different set of life experiences. They have a different set of skills and everybody has a slightly different perspective. And Sam's quote is is great, and I, I liken it to the rather common quote of uh, seeing the forest instead of the trees. And sometimes you're so deep in the woods that you can't really see the forest. But if you can get a different perspective and kind of rise above that and get the lay of the land, then that informs your situation a whole lot better. Yep, exactly. Uh, a lot of times it's uh, the information is right there in front of us that can help us make the better decisions that are going to lead to the ideal outcomes that we're looking for, but we just don't even see them, which kind of leads into the second point here, which you kind of talked a little bit already about, but maybe you can elaborate on this a little bit more where uh, the second benefit of a mastermind is going to help you see your blind spots. And maybe you can, uh, do you have a personal example maybe that you could share uh, regarding this? Like what, what blind spot was illuminated to you when you were at the, uh, the Austin mastermind? The one that comes to mind is, for me, I came with a question regarding a direction for my business. And so there were there was literally four different markets and about five different channels that I could get into. Um, and literally the options were kind of overwhelming. And so I went into the mastermind with a basically trying to get a question of strategy answered down that would kind of guide this this decision making about where to go next and what i was blinded by was um two things there was a i was blinded by not having having too many decisions on the table so uh basically paralysis from too many choices and then also uh, there was a lot of fear of missing out of what if I what if I needed to go someplace but I didn't. And so after talking with the the group during my hot seat session, 
the perspective that was given was that I don't even need to worry about those. And I don't even need to worry about some of my channels because the the current product base is capable of so much more. And so once that fell in place and once I got that fresh perspective, the marketing strategies and the product strategies and where I was going for basically the next year and a half kind of just laid itself out all because of that that fresh perspective. Nice. Okay. So you could kind of view this two different ways, uh, I think. So maybe seeing your blind spots, this could be like a threat to your, your business or a threat to whatever system you happen to be questioning, whether it's personal or professional. So people could point out, you know, you need to watch out for this or it could break. But the other thing here, which is actually what happened to you and is the third point, I think, on on our outline here, and that is to refine your vision or focus. It sounds like that's what happened to you is where it kind of brought clarity to the things that weren't important and showed you what you should be focusing on that was most effective and contributing to the results that you were looking for in your business. I think that's a fair point. And I think so often that that you want that getting a fresh perspective, seeing your blind spots and refining your vision are just three parts of the same thing. Because once you get that perspective, you can see your blind spots and it kind of opens up. Uh, it kind of refines your vision and your focus pretty much automatically. Okay, cool. So these are these are all kind of related uh, is, is basically what you're what you're saying that when you get the fresh perspective, you will see the threats, you will also see the opportunities that will help you zero in on the things that you're supposed to be doing. Yes, the the one exception would be if you are going there to find out how to do something. So basically, let's say you wanted to go into the mastermind and your your question, you know, basically your your hot seat presentation was, hey, I know I need to implement uh, morning and evening rituals, but I'm just stuck and I can't do it. Most of the the perspective that you're going to get is actual implementation device. And so you'll be able to see some of the blind spots where you're you know, where you're stuck in some of the things that are hindering you, but it's a lot more, you know, it's a lot more about refining your vision and your focus than, you know, necessarily a fresh perspective. Sure. That, that makes sense. And that maybe is a little bit different approach to a a mastermind. I know that in the one that we held in in Austin, like there were, there were people who did uh, bring, questions to the mastermind of there was one person who wanted to know, you know, how do I publish a book? And, uh, you, you could definitely get around people who have done that and they can, they can show you the information. Um, but I think, uh, you don't have to join a group specifically, uh, based on whatever outcome you're trying to achieve there. I think that, uh, you can really take this idea of a mastermind and apply it 
more generally and still get a lot of the the benefits from it. But I'm, I'm glad that you you call that out because that is definitely a, a benefit, which isn't even on our list, actually, like figuring out how to do something. <laughs> yeah. And and one of the nice things, one, one of the reasons why you would want to to do a mastermind specifically to figure out how to do something is if the thing that you're trying to figure out how to do is um, something that you can't really get anywhere else. Like if you're if you're trying to figure out how to, to scale your business by ten times, or you're trying to figure out how to, you know, say expand a company by uh, fifty people when you're only seven. Stuff like that isn't really the the knowledge isn't really out there in a book or in a podcast. It's something that's a lot better distributed in person from people that have actually been there and done that and have war stories and pitfalls. That's a great point. So there's definitely people who can show you how to do something. But there's also the other type of person where it's not a knowledge problem, it's an execution problem. (laughs) And that's really where the fourth benefit of a mastermind comes into play. And that is finding accountability. This has been a big one for me personally, because I have a, a, a mastermind group that I'm a part of here locally, where we hold each other accountable to our 12 week year goals. Uh, and I know that every time I'm going to meet with them, I have to be able to justify what I've been doing or what I haven't been doing and the decisions that I've made and not wanting to look like a fool when I get <laughs> get together with those people. Uh, because if you can't justify those things, it's going to be obvious that's enough to translate into action for me. Uh, but kind of related to this, because I don't think you can have accountability without relationships. So you have to know the people who you're going to allow to speak into your life and show you where you're missing it. Uh, And that's where number five comes in. Uh, A benefit of a mastermind is that it can help you develop relationships. You can get around other super smart people who, like you said, have solved these problems already, and they can help you solve your problems quicker than you would through trial and error. Yeah. And not only that, but these people have problems of their own that they're working through. And they have to be, you know, they need accountability too. So basically you're, by developing these relationships, you're creating an accountability group where everybody is invested. Yeah, definitely. And and I'm curious to get your perspective on this because you've been in the hot seat where people were giving you advice, but you were also very vocal and contributing to other people who had uh, had problems that they wanted to uh, to get solved. So, what is from from your perspective? Like, can you kind of compare and contrast those two experiences, and maybe even like which one did you enjoy more? Obviously, uh, the 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 hot seat. Like, you're getting advice which is going to move your your business forward. That's going to affect you day to day. But for me personally, it was a rush whenever I was able to to share something, and people were like, "Oh yeah, I never thought about it that way." Like that made me feel really good. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, I, I I enjoy both sides of it. It was nice to uh, be on the hot seat and get answers to your problems and get discussions centered around it. Particularly the uh, the questions are nice, but it is intense. Yeah, 
it's kind of very intense to be up there, especially when you get some questions that aren't, you know, that they're hard questions uh, to answer. And it's nice to be able to get that information, but it's also kind of nice when it's over. Uh, and being able to help somebody is is nice too. I mean, uh, I, I do it all the time. The, the one thing that I really like about the mastermind is that it's a place where you can kind of get to the root of problems and ask people some deep probing questions about the problem that may be uncomfortable. And it's a setting that kind of encourages that and you don't get it elsewhere. And so both sides of the coin are, are kind of really nice. And just because you aren't on the hot seat doesn't really mean that you can't learn something from somebody else's session. I mean, there there were a couple of sessions where I was scribbling notes frantically, and I know other people were too, because some of the stuff that came up was directly related to some things that uh, that I was dealing with or could file away and uh, save for later and implement on my side. Yeah. Uh, a couple things here I want to address. Number one, you mentioned that basically, if I'm hearing you right, that it can be pretty draining or exhausting. I know at the end of that day, we had, I think, seven hot seat sessions. Uh, by the end of the day, I, I was exhausted. <laughs> uh, but also that what makes it work is the people who are there being willing to both give and take. If you are in a mastermind where everybody is just looking for answers to their own problems, but they're not really interested in helping anybody else solve theirs, uh, that is going to kill the mastermind real quick. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that because if everybody is not willing to contribute, then uh, you're going to run into a situation where nobody gets their problem solved. Yep, yep, exactly. And being able and willing to contribute uh, is important, not only for the accountability, uh, but also kind of related here, number six, uh, this could be under accountability, but uh, really like making sure that people are taking action. So if if you haven't established a foundation of trust, it makes it a lot harder to call people out. And uh, part of this is accountability, but also part of it is just the fact that you're going to have to uh, you're, you're going to have to appear before these people who are going to ask you if you've taken action. I kind of equate this to like a, a gym buddy, where if you've made a deal with somebody that you're going to meet at the gym at at, at 5 a.m., 6 a.m., whatever, and you're gonna you're gonna work out, you're much less likely to sleep in because you don't want to be that guy. Yep, I I definitely agree with that. And uh, sometimes it the one thing that you need to be able to be sure of is that the people that you're doing the mastermind with are uh, wanting that same accountability. So for our uh, first mastermind, we had, uh, it was uh, me and two other people, and we had four of the AE team members there. And it was a great mastermind, and we got great information, but at the end of the day, there wasn't a the accountability mechanism for that mastermind kind of fell through. 
Now, granted, I know that people have been successful implementing it. I mean, one of those people that was at that mastermind, Nabil, he was just on the podcast uh, talking about some of the stuff that we, we went over in the mastermind. So I think that if you really want to put the accountability place inside, you need to make sure that there is a mechanism and follow-up so that you don't basically just uh, stop going to the gym, so to speak. <laughs> right, right. Which is a little bit different approach from like the agent efficiency mastermind or those types of one-time events. Uh, it's a little bit harder to have accountability there because everybody's flying into one location for one day and then you all go your separate ways. Uh, but it is it is still still doable. Uh, it's a lot easier in something like a local mastermind, I think, which uh, is something we'll get to uh, in, a, in a little bit here when we get to the formats. Uh, but for people who are interested in starting a mastermind, let's go over some of these key ingredients for a successful mastermind. And this is a lot of this stuff we've kind of touched on already, but it's going to be presented maybe a little bit different way. So I think that framing it as these three key ingredients, this can really help people identify what their mastermind should be or what it should provide. Uh, and the first thing that I put on this list, and, and Nate, you can tell me if I forgot some stuff here, but <laughs> uh, the number one thing I put on here is new and different ideas and perspectives. We kind of talked about the importance of the different perspectives already. Uh, you need to get around people who will think differently than you. They will point out your blind spots like we were talking about, show you how to implement solved uh, problems, implement those solutions. Uh, we've got a podcast episode on this particular topic. Uh, think like a geek. It's TPS 174. And the uh, the power of this uh, growth-minded groupthink, uh, I think is how I phrased it in that particular episode. Yeah. And I one thing that I really want to point out here is that everybody's ideas and perspectives are valued. And so if you get around the table and you are in a situation where um, the people that you're with in the mastermind may be much further along than you um, and you think that you don't have anything to add, that's not true because no matter what your perspective is, uh, you, the questions that you ask and the ideas that you throw out can be the spark for somebody to approach it another way. You know, as a good example, we had, um, at the, the previous mastermind, we had, uh, one of the, uh, the folks there, uh, Esther and her experience was in men's fitness and she was able to help people with a, wide variety of topics from uh, astrology to hiring a manager. Right. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. I was thinking of that too at the same time is that every single person who shared at the Austin Mastermind, I wanted to be the one who provided like the aha moment, but it wasn't always me. Uh, but sometimes what I noticed is that whether it was me or somebody else who uh, maybe felt a little bit hesitant because I don't know anything about astrology. <laughs> uh, if I shared something, then that would stir something in somebody else. And that will, you know, it was a chain reaction at that point. And eventually we would get to the person who shared the thing and it was like, ah, yes, that's the thing that I was looking for. And that's the thing that really solved the problem of the person who was on the hot seat. Yes. And one of the flip sides of this is if you are actually 
moderating the mastermind. Uh, it's your responsibility to make sure that people's ideas and perspectives are heard because sometimes you get into the room and there are, uh, you know, uh, a few type A personalities in the group. And as a moderator, you kind of need to be keen to uh, that discussion and whether or not people are able to share. Yeah, that that's a really good point. Very good point. And it kind of leads into the second point here where you're talking about everybody's got their own ideas and their own perspectives and they're all valuable. Uh, you have to have that understanding that everybody's opinion is valuable in order to implement the second key ingredient, which is the vulnerability. Uh, because if you get stuck comparing your situation to somebody else's situation or place more value on somebody's opinion than, than other people, uh, what ends up happening is that you don't end up sharing from your heart. You don't open up and you don't share authentically. And that limits the value that you're going to receive from the other people in the mastermind. And I also think that when you when you hold back that the other people in the mastermind group can they can kind of tell that and it just creates this this whole hesitancy which is going to really limit the effectiveness of the mastermind group i'm curious your perspective cuz you were actually on the hot seat for one of those 45 minute sessions if you're going to attend a mastermind or if you're going to start a a mastermind one of the things that goes along with this opening up and sharing authentically is the concept that what's said in the mastermind stays in the mastermind. And so at the end of the day, um, the mastermind is a place for, for trust and you need to, you know, everybody needs to open up and share their experiences. And some of those experiences are going to be tough. We've all had failures. We've all had things that didn't go the right way that may be uncomfortable to share in public, uh, the problem that you're solving may be uh, somewhat embarrassing. But at the end of the day, if you hide stuff or if you intentionally kind of misrepresent or omit stuff, all you're doing is hurting yourself. If you're on the hot seat and you do that, you can't get the best answer or even the right answer to your problem because people don't have all the information. And if you're helping somebody out, you aren't giving them everything that they may need. Yeah, very, very good point. Um, the third one here, we've kind of talked about this uh, already. Uh, that is the accountability. Uh, whether it be, whether you follow the 12-week year framework, uh, like I do my local mastermind or not, uh, really everybody is there for a specific purpose. And everybody that is is there uh, should be serious about the commitment that they've made. And if you're serious about the commitment that you've made, then there's going to be some action associated with that. And one of the important things in a mastermind group is, uh, I would say, not to just excuse all the time. If there's, if there's somebody who is just not following through and not not committed to the, the cause or the, the purpose or the mission of your mastermind group, you can't just let them get away with that over and over and over again uh, because what it's saying to the rest of the group is that this really isn't that important. So this accountability is really important. You have to hold the standard 
and you have to make people feel like, you know, you don't want to let everyone else down. It's, it's kind of peer pressure, but it's a positive spin on that peer pressure. Yeah. And I think that that is one of the downsides to uh, masterminds that are uh, free to join. Uh, if you have a some sort of membership or entry fee, the people tend to take it a lot more seriously, even if it's only like 20, 30 bucks, that, that mental shift that, hey, I'm invested in the mastermind is uh, more than enough to basically root out all of the people that want to freeload or are not invested in the mastermind. Yeah, very, very good point. You know, the people who have skin in the game, they're going to be more invested, more invested in it. Uh, and that's, that's one of the, the big reasons why I love the, the dojo is everybody that is in there is financially investing in their membership. So they're much more likely to apply themselves and uh, in the community, uh, go through the video training, apply that stuff, ask questions, get answers, uh, not specifically a mastermind, but same same principle here. You know, you want to get around people who are serious about this stuff. And uh, a lot of times where you see the rubber hit the road is, like you said, uh, when, they, when they've got something that they've got to give up for it. Yep, exactly. The, uh, the, the phrase, uh, uh, putting your money where your mouth is, comes to mind. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So let's say that you want to create uh, a mastermind. We're going to get into some of the formats here in just a little bit, but how many people is ideal for a mastermind? I'm curious to get your perspective, but I personally think that uh, around six is probably ideal because it's enough to get some different ideas and perspectives, but it's not too many where if you're going to do the hot seat sessions, for example, like we did in, in Austin, where uh, you've got seven different people, I think, who shared at the end of the day, you're not completely exhausted <laughs> like I was. You have enough time. You have enough. Uh, uh, you have enough time to address everybody's specific issues. Who wants to uh, wants to to share them, um, and it doesn't feel like uh, like it's it's too spread out or or uh, taking too long. Yeah, I think that you want to keep it between six and 10, because if you think about the hot seat format, you're, you need about 45 minutes to kind of really delve into the problem at 45 minutes plus a a 10 minute break in between. If you have 10 people, that's enough to go for a nine hour session during the day. So I think that Anything below six, once you start to dip into five, four, three, you start to lose some of the potency of the diversity of people. But six to 10 would probably be my ideal number. And it kind of also depends on the format, too. Um, Because if you're meeting online and it is a like a, a weekly online meeting, 10 people in hot seats all day might not work. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so the hot seats, that's obviously one way to uh, to accomplish uh, a mastermind meeting, but it's not the only way. And I think that there's a lot of value in the hot seat format, but if you were to do like an online or a local uh, mastermind, you don't have to invest a whole nine-hour day in order to to make this work. 
Uh, you just need to make sure that you've got these key ingredients and that people have the opportunity to both share their problems and contribute to solving other people's problems. And you want to make sure that everybody there is able to give and receive because you don't want to be, like we talked about, a mastermind freeloader. Yeah, and I think that it's uh, it's important to distinguish as uh, online masterminds from a community like the the dojo. The dojo can be a uh, it's almost like a pseudo mastermind, but having a a true dedicated mastermind online means that your means that the group as a whole is giving attention to specific issues at one time because most of the power of the mastermind over a forum format like the dojo is the ability to gain momentum in the problem solution by kind of bouncing ideas off of each other and using as, using everybody as a sounding board to to iterate through a solution. Yeah, yeah, and that obviously is more effective if you can do it in real time as opposed to back and forth over days, weeks, months on a forum. Absolutely. There's a couple different formats here that you can use uh, if you wanted to start a mastermind or attend a mastermind. The first one, which you kind of alluded to, is that you could host your mastermind online. I know people who have done this. They've got a weekly call set up on Skype or Zoom. And uh, whether it's three people, which is, like you mentioned, probably a little bit low for a true mastermind group, uh, you need to get some different perspectives or six people up to 10 people. I believe that Zoom can handle up to 10 people even on the, the free tier. Uh, but that's that's one tool that you could use. Uh, another format is the local mastermind. Uh, this is something that I have joined in Appleton, Wisconsin, even, you know, there's, there's people here, believe it or not, who are like-minded achievers, like we say about the dojo. Uh, one of the people that's in my mastermind is Brandon Wentland. He's contributed some of the modules in the dojo. Uh, also a guy who wrote the first line of code for Pandora. Uh, if you, if you keep your eyes open, you'll, you'll find these people, uh, in your, in your area. Uh, and I really like meeting in person with these people. I think that there's something more powerful about meeting in person than there is about uh, meeting online. Now we kind of, even though we're all local, we're, we're pretty busy. So we tend to meet in person once a month to check in. Uh, the rest of the time, we've got a, a private Slack group that we use uh, and we've got a bot set up actually, which is uh, Monday mornings, it's gonna ping everybody and say, hey, it's time to share your updates. Uh, where are you at with your 12 week year goals? Uh, and And just, this kind of, again, comes back to the purpose of the mastermind. So for ours, we had no idea what we were doing when we, we started. We kind of talked to everybody in the group, you know, what do you want this to look like? And the big thing that they were looking for was accountability. So uh, that's what we did. We decided that we're all going to do this 12-week year stuff, but we're going to hold each other accountable to uh, to doing this. Um, do you have any experience with a local mastermind? And, and what do you what do you think about the the frequency I do not have any experience with a, a local mastermind. It's been something that I've been looking at uh, starting eventually, but it's uh, something that I've not gotten around to doing yet. Uh, I actually wanted to ask you about the frequency and whether or not you feel like uh, one month was too short or too long, uh, and also uh, whether or not you feel like the... Uh, what what's the appropriate duration for a 
meeting for a group that meets regularly. Sure. And, and this is, again, something that we're kind of figuring out on the fly. So all I can really do is share my experience with this. I can't really tell you like this is the format that you should follow. Uh, like I mentioned, a lot of the people in my group tend to be pretty busy. So when we meet monthly, we tend to meet for about an hour and a half, maybe two hours where we can check in, share some things, solve some problems, but it's not going to be diving deep into people's issues that they want solved. Now, I came back from the Austin Mastermind seeing the hot seat sessions for the first time. And I'm like, this is amazing. We need to do this. So we actually have one scheduled uh, for January where we are going to do that. It's going to be a five-hour session and everybody's going to get <laughs> a hot seat session. So I guess I'll report back and let you know how that that goes. But I would say like for our group, monthly is great. And occasionally we will have uh, longer meetings. Like we actually had one where one of the guys here has a, a house on the lake and he's like, hey, why don't you guys, you guys just come over uh, for the mastermind, you know, whatever night and uh, I'll grill up some steaks and we can just hang out. That was that was really fun. And that uh, and we didn't have a specific agenda for that particular meeting. But the key ingredients for the mastermind are there, the accountability the vulnerability, the new different ideas and perspectives. And just through conversation and, and food uh, and fellowship, there was a, a lot of clarity that came to people on what their what their next steps were. So I think really the, the frequency is, it, it could even be different depending on the group. And I almost think that it doesn't really matter. You can kind of figure out what works for your group. The more important thing is identifying what is this group going to be about and making sure that everybody's committed to the vision. Yeah, I I definitely kind of uh, like the frequency that you suggested. And for uh, a group like yours that's implementing the 12-week year, it works out really, really well where you can uh, kind of time those, those deep dive sessions with hot seats for kind of like your planning week uh, in between the 12 weeks. And then you have your your weekly check-ins and your your monthly meetings during the 12 week year to kind of make sure that everybody is moving along and executing well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and and so maybe we can kind of talk about this last one here and this will lead into uh, your experience with the uh, the third type of, of mastermind, which is the one day event. Now this, for specifically talking about the Asian Efficiency Mastermind, I'll use that as the, the template. Uh, I've, again, I have limited experience with these one-day event-type masterminds. Um, but what this was is people flew in to Austin. We all met in the same location. And we had, like you said, a nine-hour day <laughs> where people had a 45-minute hot seat session. There were five-minute breaks between them all. And then at the end, people thought through with the feedback that they'd gotten and kind of identified what the next steps were. So I'm curious, from your perspective as an attendee, if you're going to attend this type of mastermind, uh, what do you need in order to get the most out of that experience? Well, I think that you really need to put in some work up front to define, uh, first off, what you want to solve. So uh, you need to have a clear problem statement going in. And um, basically focus on one specific problem. That's where the mastermind is best. Because if you come in with a 
you know, if you come in with uh, basically a problem statement of, hey, guys, my uh, sales are down in my business uh, and I want to figure out how to increase sales, part of that issue with a question that vague is we're going to spend half the time or more just trying to get to the specifics of what's going wrong. So if you have a question like that, the one thing that you need to do is kind of narrow it down. And so if you can gather data, um, any data about the the issue, whether it's qual qualitative or quantitative, um, the more data that you can get, the better. And so by gathering the data and doing some kind of thinking about the problem, um, so Tan did the podcast on thinking time. If you can dedicate some actual thinking time to the problem and specifically the question that you want answered before the mastermind, you have a chance to refine it. Uh, you also have a chance to, even if you don't know the correct answer, um, the question can be a little bit more uh, defined. So instead of just saying, my sales are down, you can be prepared with, hey, my sales are down. This is what I'm seeing in the market. These are the numbers that are changing that are concerning me. How can we reverse this trend? I have this idea, this idea, and this idea. What do you think? Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. And for people who are already Dojo members, there's even a, a video course on the, the thinking time that Tan put together which is really good. That actually came from an Asian efficiency internal team training where he first presented that stuff. And that kind of blew my mind when uh, when he presented it. Uh, it's really, really crazy how just asking the right questions can uh, can present the, the, the right solutions. Uh, and a lot of times it, you've already asked the question, you just haven't asked the, the right way. And so reframing it can be uh, can be the key to, to getting the, the clarity. And if I remember correctly, didn't Tan learn about the concept of thinking time at a mastermind? <laughs> he did. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and that's one of the things that I would say has, has really shaped Asian efficiency in the past several months and helped us identify the things that really needed to be changed. Uh, and yeah, like you, you really don't know what you don't know <laughs> and getting in the, in a room with some really smart people who, even if you've only got like that one takeaway that can, that can really change the course of, of your life or your business. Yeah. And it is, uh, I mean, the hardest thing that you're going to have to do is figure out what question you want answered. Um, especially if you don't have a clear vision or you don't really know kind of what you want. It can be very difficult to pick a question when you're being thrown so many different ways. Um, but narrowing that down and really uh, kind of having a, a clear idea of what it is, what you think you might be able to do, and any data uh, can really help make your presentation a whole lot better. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, you kind of mentioned uh, some of these uh, guidelines for hosting a mastermind. Um, and uh, since you've got more experience with this <laughs> with this one-day stuff, uh, I'm going to let you, since you put these in the outline, kind of run through these real quickly, and then we'll get into you, some questions about your experience with the Asian Efficiency Mastermind. But what's the host responsibility for a mastermind? So if you're hosting a mastermind... You need to set the expectations, define the the ground rules for the mastermind, and also facilitate and moderate the mastermind. And so what that means uh, specifically is uh, implementing a, a couple of key ground rules. Uh, so the first ground rule is always uh, what's discussed here stays here. And if anybody can't abide by that rule, then, uh, you know, give them an opportunity to graciously exit. But this is not a place to gain the latest gossip. And just making that fundamentally clear, even if everybody is already clear, um, just reiterating that each time is kind of key and paramount to building the trust that you need. the next ground rule for everybody is to be completely honest. And we already went over why it's necessary to be completely honest, but it's helpful to reiterate that as a ground rule. Now, the last rule that I would recommend setting is introducing the, I like Asian efficiencies term, the concept of glowing green. And that's basically reiterating to everybody that we are here to build each other up, not tear each other down. So the expectation is not putting down, you know, not putting down ideas, but at the same time also being able to provide constructive criticism and being able to point out the hard truth. Just as sometimes you need to approach somebody and, you know, tell them about a problem and it may be a hard conversation for you to have, this is kind of the same thing, but you're doing it in a way where you aren't demeaning them or belittling them. And I I think that that is important too, because sometimes as, uh, sometimes as human beings, we get a little carried away. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Those are great, great ground rules. And I think what's interesting about this to me, at least, is that you don't have to have like a a big three ring binder of of rules. Really, like these are very flexible. Uh, They're really just kind of guidelines. And uh, if everybody there is understanding why, why you're there, um, then a lot of this kind of takes care of itself. But it is it is good to understand that you need to make sure that what, like you said, what's discussed here stays here. You need to be completely honest and we're here to help each other, not tear people down. The last one you've got here, which I think Tan did a really great job of at the Austin Mastermind, was hard time stops with the facilitation. <laughs> I know that when he, when people got up on the hot seat, he basically said, okay, 45 minutes, go. And then when there was about five minutes left, he'd make sure like, hey, you got five minutes left. Uh, make sure that, you know, is there anything else that you want answered? Uh, but when the timer went off, like we were done. <laughs> yep. And and that's 
that's the facilitation and moderation part as a host. So you need to make sure that things are being moved along because especially if people are kind of knee deep in a problem, if time's up, time needs to be up and uh, you need to hold fast to that because uh, especially if you're doing a one-day event where you have six, seven, eight hot seats and they're all 45 minutes each, uh, if, you're, if you start slipping with time, then that's just going to make the day drag on. The other thing that you need to do, uh, you, you had kind of mentioned it with the facilitation piece, is making sure that Tan did this at uh, – this past mastermind, which I thought was really good, uh, you mentioned it was during the last uh, five minutes, he would basically stop the conversation and ask the hot seat presenter if there was anything else that they wanted to talk about, anything pressing that they needed to get off of their chest. And I like that because it's the since it's the person on the hot seat, it's their presentation. Sometimes if you are kind of diving off on a tangent, there might be something pressing that you still need answered. And that that's kind of like a, a last call for, for getting that answered. Yeah. It's a really good, really good point because uh, like you said, if you're on the hot seat, it's your time. It's not the people who are bringing you the opinions and the perspectives and they may be really well-intentioned, but if it's not helping you and you're not getting the answer that you need, you, that what Tan did essentially is he gave control back to the person on the hot seat. So yeah, very, very good point. Yeah. And the, uh, the, the two things here that I had wanted to, uh, they weren't listed, but I still wanted to get them mentioned anyways, were if you are facilitating uh, part of the hard time stops is building in time for breaks. So these these hot seats tend to be deep thinking sessions. They tend to be they tend to drain you mentally, and so the hot seats really need to almost function like a, a fifty ten Pomodoro, where you're giving a, a ten to fifteen minute break after each session to allow people to one kind of chit chat and two, just, just relax and rest. Yeah. Very good point. They're, they're very intense. Uh, it doesn't seem like it should be that draining, but it, it definitely was for me. <laughs> so let's get into your experience with the Asian deficiency mastermind. You shared a lot already, but I got some specific questions here. Uh, what were your expectations going into that mastermind? Well, my expectations were basically the, getting honest feedback and good results. Um, that was kind of my number one expectation because uh, after experiencing that first mastermind uh, and the way that that first mastermind helped me and basically paid for itself within two months, that experience, I, I kind of wanted that experience again. So basically honest feedback and uh, the questions answered that I needed to get answered. Uh, but at the same time, I just wanted to go and meet everybody. We had an amazing group and they were all 
very driven for in their different fields. And it was absolutely amazing to get to meet and get to know them all. Yeah, it was a pretty diverse group too, which I know we'll we'll get into in a little bit. <laughs> um, what was the biggest takeaway for you from from the uh, the mastermind? Like, I know I ran into you in the hallway in between sessions, and I had asked you, you know, like, well, what was it worth it? Like, did you get a lot out of it? Do you know what to do next? Did you get clarity? And basically, your response was, "Yeah, I'm crystal clear on what I need to do now." <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the biggest takeaway for me, besides what I actually needed to do in my situation, uh, was just what the the power of great counsel does for you. And um, I mean, uh, when you surround yourself with successful people and you... And everybody has a drive for success. The the ideas and the advice that come out of that is is just tremendous. And not all advice is created equal. You know, just like you wouldn't take advice from just anybody, having a a trusted counsel like your your local you know your local mastermind where you can bounce ideas off of and you know that they are going to want to help you and have your best interest at heart. That is, that's huge. You don't get that anywhere else. Awesome. Uh, What was the biggest surprise for you? So I know you've got something listed here, but also uh, maybe reframing this a little bit differently. Like what was your biggest surprise regarding the, the format or the process? Okay, so I'll answer the I'll answer both questions here. So the the biggest surprise of the day was the fact that uh, uh, we had a uh, a wonderful person in the group, Joe, and he was one of the uh, very very few tango harmonica players in the world. World famous tango harmonica player, <laughs> really really good. <laughs> yes, and I I didn't even know what tango harmonica was until that morning. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. <laughs> but as as far as the format went, um, one of the biggest surprises for uh, for me was just the uh, would probably have to be the the difference between uh, a small group size and a large group size. So mm-hmm. when I did the first mastermind, um, there were three of us that did hot seat sessions, and we had. Uh, four people in there that were were not doing the hot seat but were still there to participate um it was uh tan and zach um and two others and basically the the difference between that size of seven and the size of uh what was it 14 15 that we had that difference in size was just tremendous in terms of both of both the intensity and the the amount and value of the feedback that you got. And so I and I didn't quite realize this until after I was kind of uh, until after we were done for the night and it was the next morning and I was kind of just thinking back and reflecting and the the quality definitely kind of increased when you had more people in the room. Okay. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. 
Um, what did you like most about your hot seat presentation? Just the the honest, intense feedback. You know, sometimes it's tough to hear some things, and the answer that we arrived at was not really one that I was considering, but it made a whole lot of sense. And so it was, you know, it, it was just nice to to get uh, fresh perspectives. And I think that um, I got input from pretty much the whole group. And it was everything kind of built on top of each other. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, th- there was a lot of good ideas that came out of that. Okay. Was the thing that, because you had mentioned, uh, it's kind of going off script a little bit, but <laughs> you had mentioned that uh, you had clarity in what you needed to do. Uh, I kind of am picking up maybe from the way you answered that question that it was maybe something that you had thought about before, but maybe you didn't really want to do it. And then when you got in the mastermind uh, and 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 get the got the different perspectives it became clear that 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 was the right thing is that fair to say uh yeah i mean i can go into uh some detail here real quick but uh um you know basically i came in and i was kind of focused on um everything uh, all of the additional product lines that i could be doing and the the additional areas that i could expand and um the awesomeness of the feedback was that you know hey you got this this market here that with a couple of tweaks um and you know with a couple of tweaks here and tweaks there that you can grow this to where you you know you can grow this to where you need it to be and uh you should be doing that before even looking at other product lines and then we got into specifically how to do that and so it wasn't the wasn't necessarily the direction that i was expecting to go or even kind of thought about in my own mind that it was going to end up but uh after everything kind of fell into place it made the most sense gotcha so on the other side of this, what did you like most about not being in the hot seat? Um, two things, being able to help people with their problems. And, you know, as you know, I'm not shy about uh, helping people. And it was, uh, it was nice to be able to engage with people and ask questions and suggest solutions, especially based around my, you know, especially based around my experiences I think that the the thing that kind of drives that is just the desire to be helpful, to be good and make a difference in the world. And so, you know, being able to help people with their problems was was a nice fulfillment of that. And then I would say the the other thing that I liked the most would be learning about what other challenges people are going through. Because it, it, it's kind of quite sobering to get all of these successful people in the room and, you know, and, and we can look at each other and go, you know, we can look at each other and think that, that we 
we're doing good. We got it all together. But the, the mastermind reminds you that, hey, everybody has, you know, everybody has problems and issues and everybody's human. And so just kind of learning what everybody's facing and what everybody's going through was was really powerful for for me, uh, especially considering that some of the things that people were going through were problems that are going to be relevant in my future. Mm, yeah, it's a great point. Uh, what could have made the mastermind experience even better for you? Basically, is there anything that you would have changed about the format? Yeah, the and the one thing that I would change before the format is uh, ba- basically when we got, uh, we kind of met everybody the night before, but we really didn't kind of talk about any problems until the until we started the day of, and I, I think that it would have been very very helpful to kind of just exchange a a short little sheet that kind of went over what everybody what everybody was wanting to go over you know what questions they wanted answered and maybe some quick bios just so you know we we would have had some time to mull it over sure yeah that makes sense um and maybe that's not quite as important if you're in a mastermind where you meet regularly but when you're meeting people for the first time absolutely you got to understand the situation before you can (laughs) offer advice that's going to be helpful Um, so that kind of leads to the next section here Uh, how did you feel about your relationship with the other people at the mastermind after the event Uh, so for me personally uh, it was awesome to meet people like you, for example, who I see your name and the little green dot next to your name in the dojo. <laughs> but physically meeting people was really cool. Uh, how did your relationships with the people that were at the Mastermind change, if at all, uh, from your experience? Well, uh, I mean, like you said, it was nice to to meet everybody. And these are people that that are invested in the dojo. And so we, we see them and we interact with them. And, uh, uh, you know, I was able to interact with people in the dojo before the mastermind, but being able to see that person face to face and just sit down and have a, a chat with them, not only about their problems, but just getting to know them. It makes your future experiences, um, you know, especially online interactions, just a lot more powerful because you can relate to them better. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, any advice for people who are looking to attend a mastermind? Um, let's see here. The the three things that I would say is if you're looking to – first, if you're looking to attend a mastermind but haven't actually picked one out, make sure that you are very, very careful about selecting one. Make sure that when you select one, the people that you are going to be – uh, doing it with you are actually invested and they they want the same things out of the mastermind that you want. Once you have that selected, if it's a no matter if it's a, a one day or an ongoing thing, you need to be prepared and invested in the mastermind. So if it's a one day thing, you need to really kind of put in some thought and effort about what exactly you want answered. You need to bring data 
if it's a local mastermind, you need to really invest yourself in that accountability mechanism and really kind of put in the work because at the end of the day, the success of the mastermind is based on what everybody puts into it. And so if everybody doesn't really put something into it, everybody's not going to really get much anything out. Awesome. Well, this has been great. So thanks for joining us today, Nate. And if people want to connect with you other than the dojo, uh, where can people go if they want to continue the conversation? Uh, Well, you can contact me through my website, uh, finelineautomation.com. My Twitter handle is at Nate Lowry, L-O-W-R-I-E. And uh, or you can email me at uh, Lowry.Nate at gmail.com and uh, really any of those methods are perfect for getting a hold of me. All right, great. Well, thanks for being here today. We'll see you at the next Asian Efficiency Mastermind. <laughs> Absolutely. Really looking forward to doing it again. All right. Thanks so much, Nate. Thank you. If you're intrigued by the idea of a mastermind and want to see what connecting with like-minded achievers can do for your personal professional success, check out the dojo. The dojo is our online productivity community where you can connect with other like-minded achievers who can not only share the latest productivity tips and techniques, but also encourage you and hold you accountable for reaching your goals. So if you want to connect with people like Nate, myself, Brooks, Tan, and the rest of the Asian efficiency team, the dojo is the place for you. You'll get access to the comprehensive video training library with a new video course that's added every month. And the best part is you can get access to everything the Dojo offers for only $1 for your first month. Now, this offer is just for podcast listeners. And if you want to take advantage of it, you have to go to theproductivityshow.com slash dojo. Again, that special $1 for your first month offer is only available at theproductivityshow.com slash dojo. You get access to the entire dojo, and after your first month, it's just $29 a month if you decide to stay on, but you can cancel at any time. So if you want to join a community that can help you achieve your goals, check out the dojo today by going to theproductivityshow.com slash dojo. Again, that URL is theproductivityshow.com slash dojo. You can also find links to everything we discussed today in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 178. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us an iTunes review or a star in Overcast as it really helps us out and helps other people find out about the show. The Productivity Show is on Twitter as at ProductivityFM. And if you want to get your questions answered and get mentioned on the show, you can send us a tweet with the hashtag AskTPS. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next Productive Monday.